Welcome to The Glow Show from Grow Lab Organics, hosted by Charlie Lyons. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another week of The Glow Show. It's time to relax and get ready for another journey into the power of cannabis. So we've been thinking a lot about data this week and the role that it is playing and will go on to play in cannabis. Uh, let's face it, you can't run a product-focused business these days without data playing a huge role with regards to your own uh, products and services, your customers, and everything in between, frankly. So if we think about this from the Glow perspective, we've developed our own proprietary technology called the Glow Chain. This came from a conversation I had with an old colleague of mine who at the time was working for a Swiss think tank, and they were looking at the wine industry. And what blew my mind was when she was telling me about this was that 20% of the world's wine is counterfeit or something like that. It could be a bit more by now, it could be a bit less, but it was something around that number. And she was exploring using blockchain technology to show the provenance of grapes. And we know that you know many of the large supermarkets from Walmart to Carrefour in France and others are using blockchain technology for food provenance. So if we fast forward to cannabis, Lots of the qualitative research and the patients we speak to, one of the two main insights that come out of all of those discussions and surveys is that if you move aside that people fundamentally don't want to feel like a criminal for accessing their medicine, which is the kind of number one theme, the other thing that patients always tell us is they want to know what's in their product, what is actually in the medicine that I'm consuming. And this isn't just major cannabinoids. Uh, I think a lot of brands or companies you know display some of those you know obviously the thcs cbds etc but it's also the minor cannabinoids the terpenes uh, but going further than that it's like when was this harvested how was it processed who processed it can i meet the team um what did they do what technology was used um what batch is it it's all of the different components that go into the makeup of a cannabis based medicinal product so we, we've created the blockchain really to be able to be completely transparent, show the process of creation, show everything that's in uh, the products that we make at Glow. Um, and the goal really is to make a human connection between our company, uh, our values and beliefs, the patients, and that's by providing a really data-rich cannabis product that people can enjoy. And that leads us nicely on to my guest this week. My guest is Jeff Ragavin. Uh, Jeff is a razor-sharp ball of energy. He's an industry veteran. Uh, over in the States with his roots firmly placed in technology. Many of you who are, you know, uh, looking at the intersection of kind of cannabis and technology, and they do go hand in hand these days. He was the co-founder of Buddy Media, uh, where he played a central role in guiding that company from a fledgling startup to probably the largest uh, enterprise level social marketing software in the world. You know, Salesforce proved that out by acquiring Buddy Media back in 2012 for around, I think it was 750 million or something like that. It's crazy money, one of the largest tech exits in New York history at the time. And Jeff is brilliantly placed to talk to us about the intersection of data, technology, brand, marketing, and of course, cannabis. So Jeff, welcome to The Glow Show. Really, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. And in true fashion, uh, if you can just introduce yourself uh, to our audience and then if you wouldn't mind just maybe giving us a quick highlight reel of three of your greatest hits in your career so far um, that will warm us up nicely. 
Cool. Well, uh, listen, thanks for having me on. And it's, uh, it's great to be with you, Charlie. You know, I'm Jeff Ragavan. I'm, I'm the chief commercial officer for Philo. Uh, we're based in the United States, headquartered in Chicago, big office in New York and LA. Uh, but really, we're, we're everywhere. And, uh, you know, we are essentially the kind of platform of choice for most of the cannabis operators out there when it comes to the multi-state operators, the single state operators, you know, using us, <coughs> excuse me, for compliance, for programmatic media solutions, for data. Uh, and loyalty. And um, I would say if I had to give you three kind of highlights of a reel for my career, it'd be hard to say I could give you a few, but um, there's a lot. Um, I think probably one of my uh, most, I'd say, accomplished um, moments in my career, obviously, you know, co-founding uh, Buddy Media, um, you know, raising about 100 million, building it to about 300 people and selling it to Salesforce for just under 800 million back in 2012. Um, and that was, I think, pretty uh, life changing uh, for me. And, um, you know, that kind of really set me up on, I'd say, the last decade of just being involved in all sorts of interesting things from, you know, starting additional companies, investments, and whatnot. You know, back in uh, 2015, started another company called Social Native, which was really a content platform. You know, did that for about four years and really started seeing the incredible focus on cannabis. You know, you kind of just know as an entrepreneur in your gut when something starts to really happen. Um, yeah. I saw this kind of, you know, th throughout my entire career. You know, first it was, you know, getting into email marketing back in 99 and then moving into, you know, paid and SEO. That was kind of like the second wave. And then social I saw as kind of the, the third wave. So launching Buddy Media. And then I see cannabis now where it's kind of utilizing all of the you know, technologies out there, very limiting because of compliance, but also mm. kind of see it this, this next big uh, kind of green wave, if you will. So, yeah. um, you know, what we've done, I'd say, Philo, the last two years, I think for me is incredible accomplishment just on the fundraising, the acquisitions, and what we've been able to do in such a short period of time. No, that's amazing. And I was, at, I was, as you know, my background is in similar world design and technology. So I was, I was well aware of Body Media. We watched closely from, yeah. Uh, from afar um, it was pretty spectacular how that all played out and it's a good place to start actually because you reference um, those kind of three waves within the technology sort of space that you know you rode uh, handsomely uh, and then you kind of like bring the cannabis focus into that as well tell me how you felt when you were working in that period of time you know you, you referenced the 99 email marketing right through to sort of the, the wave of social can you draw parallels and comparisons with what's happening with cannabis at the moment uh, from those kind of these early days of tech um, and the way that yeah. I'll post the sort of dot-com stuff? There's obviously a lot of similarities. It's also extremely different, right? Because mm. you have something that's, you know, federally legal versus something that's federally illegal. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of, I had that gut moment, you know, probably it went back to like 2006, you know, when Facebook basically was about to launch their platform to the world, like beyond universities. Mm. And, you know, I was running an agency at the time that was really focused on, you know, all paid and SEO from a, you know, organic and paid traffic perspective. And so when you kind of look back, back in 2005, 2006, even, you know, you go on Google and you're putting in, you know, Samsung TV and you're getting a paid search ad, right, based on your intent. And so when Facebook launched, basically everything kind of got reversed where 
you're going to fill out your profile and who you are, and you're going to like pages and like things. And essentially then ads are going to come to you without you having the intent. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, I, I was like, holy crap, this is something that's going to really ch change and revolutionize the way we market to our consumers without this intent based need. And I kind of, I had that gut and, you know, right before buddy media, I had, you know, met Mike Lazarus, my best friend in the world, also co-founder. Um, <clears throat> and we, we met through a friend. And so he was like, look, this is obviously an incredible space. We need to do something. We need to, we don't know what it is yet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm in. And I remember my partner at the agency was like, you know, I told him, I was like, I, I've got to, I've got to do this. I'm, I'm going to leave and start this company. And he's like, dude, that's really risky. And like, what is Facebook? Like, it's a fad, you know, it's not even going to be around in two years. And I'm like, well, I, I've just got, I'm like, I have this feeling that it's going to be turning into something truly revolutionary. And so I feel like that was the key of that, that gut that you feel yeah. You got to take that risk. And that's the same gut that I felt in the cannabis space, you know, as I was building out. Sorry, Charlie. I was just going to ask, where do you, would, I, I'd like to just, where do you think that? Have you always had that, Jeff, that kind of intuition? Do you think that that's yeah. something which you just have within yourself? Because there's always oh. that uh, discussion, you know, data versus gut. You know, you can look at all the data in the world, but sometimes just something tells you to do something different, even if the facts are kind of there. But where, where do you think that comes from? Is that something you've, you've always had? I, I, you know, it, I've always had it, even as a kid, like obviously mm. not from a business perspective, but just from a life perspective, like your gut really does tell you a lot of things. Sometimes your gut's wrong. I think in the case of business, I've always had these very like visceral feelings about what's going to happen in a business and if it has legs. Mm. And I tell everybody all the time, cause they're like, Oh, you know, huge exit. Obviously buddy media was such a, uh, you know, a massive win for the New York tech scene. But I think a lot of it also comes to luck, timing, and team together, right? Like everything is about timing, but also you have to surround yourself with the right people. And I just, I don't know. I've always had these feelings, you know, with Philo, what I'm doing now in the cannabis space, like it was totally random how it happened. Mm. I was speaking at a founders panel in Dallas with this guy, Chad Bronstein, who had just started Philo. You know, we became like super fast friends and I knew that the cannabis space was about to blow up. But I was like, how do I step down from my current company? It's just not yeah. normal. Um, but, but I did. I was like, I'm going to take this risk. Because at this point in my career, Charlie, it's like, there's not a lot of risk. And so I'm just yeah. like, fuck it. I'm just yeah, going to do yeah, it. Yeah. I don't have anything to lose, but only to gain and learn. You know, I didn't know yeah. anything about the cannabis space at all coming into uh, Philo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you were using it in an adult use capacity, and, but it wasn't anything that you were considering from a business perspective. No, I mean, I was using it, honestly, like, for some reason, THC in my body, it affects me differently than most. And it doesn't matter if it's sativa or indica, it's going right. to make me tired and go to sleep. Really? That's reality. Yeah. Wow. So I was taking edibles or I would smoke at night because my brain is wired to go a million miles a minute. Yeah. And so it was always hard for me to go to sleep. And I stopped yeah. taking prescription drugs to sleep. And I wanted to do something more natural. And so I was already bought into... The, mm, the therapeutic stuff. Yeah. CBD and THC together. That was going to really help, you know, balance my body and my brain. And so I was already kind of like sold, you know, yeah. on the value of the plant. Yeah. Uh, but everything that I've been exposed to the last few years has just been mind blowing on what really what the plant is doing in all facets. Just on that, if you, if you consumed in the day, you just get really sleepy and tired. doesn't matter what, what kind of product, what kind of strain, what kind of 
delivery mechanism? During the day is a little different, but I I generally don't consume during the day. You know, I think someone like me who's like always on, you know, Mm. cannabis is not something that's going to enhance my always on. It's going to make me probably a little slower and paranoid. But I have taken it during the day. And there are times where I'm like, hey, let's go out and explore on a hike on a Saturday, but then come home and take a really long nap. And I don't yeah. nap. <laughs> yeah. So I know it definitely makes me tired in any capacity whatsoever. Yeah, that's cool. So when did you sort of, you, you talked about the kind of riding that tech roller coaster and obviously did incredibly well from an economic perspective, but also built an incredible business. And, you know, that was so highly thought of. Again, I, I said we, we, we watched with keen eyes from over here. What was the the move into cannabis? You said you obviously you were following your gut, you were using the plant yourself, like, and you you had this fortuitous meeting. Um, what, was that was that literally it, or or were you kind of had something uh, a bit clearer in your mind about getting involved in the space? Yeah, I mean, I think from I mean, there was definitely some other moments of you know, I had a lot of companies that were reaching out uh, to create content for them, especially for social and influencer marketing. And so my platform at the time, I couldn't go to all these people who were creating content for traditional brands and have families to be like, hey, we have a new product for this cannabis company because there was still a big stigma at that time. And so I was just turning away business left and right because I'm like, you can't launch any of this on social platforms. It's part of the terms of service. So I wasn't going to implement that with my teams to win business because we couldn't do anything with it. So I did see, you know, probably after, I don't know, 10 or 11 deals that I had to say no to, I'm like, whoa, there's like serious money here. Um, and when I met Chad, he was kind of, that was his whole instigation on launching Philo is he was at a Moby, you know, running all of their revenue. And all these companies were coming in from cannabis to vape companies to even tobacco. And they were like, no, we're not taking any of that content to run in, in media. And so Chad was like, I'm going to launch a company that can do it in a compliant way because no one else will. We have very similar instances, both from a content and media perspective of just, we don't like turning away business, right? We like making money. And so it was like, hey, there's a very lucrative uh, opportunity here to take the best of the best from ad tech and create a platform that's going to help people accelerate, you know, consumer acquisition, growth. Um, and really, you know, creating a, a journey with that consumer from the first time they see an ad all the way through purchase and loyalty and rewards. And so that I think was really the moment for both of us at very different times, right? Because Chad started the company and then I, you know, soon came over, but after mm. he had already launched it. And so for me, I think my question to him was, okay, you're raising your seed money. What are you raising? You know, and he said 15 million. And I'm like, okay, well, what's what's the technology? He's like, well, we don't have it yet. We're building it. I'm like, okay, well, what's the revenue? He's like, well, we have no revenue yet. And so I was just like, cause I'm an investor. So I'm like, okay, yeah. you're raising $15 million seed with no product and no revenue. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to be putting together the most kick-ass team of like super smart people and we're going to build it. And so to me, that was like a breaking moment because that doesn't happen generally yeah. for the most part, yeah. you know, especially in an industry that's not, advanced yet. And that was just yeah. the beginning. And, you know, we've, we've raised now 99 million in the last wow. year and a half, very, very quick acceleration in this business Two acquisitions. You know, we went from just a handful of us to almost 200 people now. It's crazy. 
Yeah, that's interesting because obviously, you know, we on the glow side of things, we've been doing our rays as well, and it's um, it's it's kind of exciting, but also stressful, frustrating. You know, pick the words you want. Raising money, um, some some days you love it, some days you hate it. Right? Did you find that it was easier to complete some of those rounds as some of the stigma fell away? Can you can you try and thread that story together of of how you see this frontier industry in in the states? evolving was that did that correlate with raising money or did you just find that people were happy to just chuck in the dollars straight away yeah i mean that's a great question because i think we're we're still not there yet i think we've done a great job of kind of getting over that stigma because there's so many major states now like new york colorado california illinois michigan that are legal where you Mm -hmm. have massive um you know conglomerates of people but i think the vc world is not there yet so a lot Mm -hmm. of the lps they're still like, yeah, we're not investing in cannabis. I think that some of the major venture capital firms out there have missed the boat on the kind of early rush um, with cannabis. And so they're now starting to kind of dip their, their toes in the water. I think COVID last year, the first full year of COVID, really just accelerated the um, you know community around cannabis to the point where it's like, hey, this is not just for recreation, but this is for people's livelihoods. This is for people who are dealing with stress. This is for people who can't sleep like me. Once we saw that essentially cannabis was deemed legal and Mm -hmm. essential in some of the key states during when everything was closed down, like you could not get a haircut, but you could go into a dispensary and buy edibles or pre-rolls or flour. And so- That really changed what happened in the last 12 months, right? Also, with so many states closing down tax dollars, and they need the dollars to fill their coffers. And so actually legalizing cannabis, especially in New York, seemed to make sense because so many people were fleeing the city. Like, everybody was going. Everyone was leaving. Manhattan was a ghost town. It was a ghost town. And so, you know, obviously New York is still a little bit of a while away. We're still looking at another year until we really see, you know, big business um, happening. But it's it's mm. in the it's in the process. Alongside that, you reference a couple of really good points in there. I mean, economic recovery via cannabis is is a, a theme, right? We're seeing that big time over over here and in Europe as as we're kind of a lot of these sort of nations are on their knees from having to sort of bail out all of the different industries from the difficult times in the last sort of eighteen, yeah. moving on to nearly two years now. Did you did you feel as well that the sort of uh, not just the stigma falling away but also the way some of the brands have moved from that kind of ultra stoner culture very loud brash neon masculine dominated through to now these absolutely beautiful gorgeous cpg lifestyle brands that must have also been a factor in that adoption or what you're seeing in terms of the stigma falling away oh without a question Obviously, we've been very focused on the cannabis world and, you know, helping drive consumer value for them. But we also have a pretty state-of-the-art data platform that, you know, we have, you know, about 75% of the total cannabis market when it comes to transactions from going into a dispensary to e-commerce platforms. And so we've created segments off of that that we actually go to market with for the traditional brands. So think, Mm. you know, like an Uber Eats, right? Mm. They're buying the data through their agency, because they're all the agencies can access our data, whatever platform they're on, you know, whether it's Google, Xander, Verizon, you name it. And they essentially like, hey, we want to just tap into 
cannabis consumers who are buying in all the states that we operate for Uber Eats, because Charlie, you could probably put two and two together, but if you're going to be ordering food delivery and you're consuming mm. cannabis, there's some overlap there with getting hungry, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, whereas, you know, we have, we work with a ton of, you know, spirit and alcohol companies where they're buying the data because they know that they're actually need, they need to start playing defense because people are defecting from drinking yeah. and having hangovers to smoking a joint or taking an edible with their friends on the weekend. Yeah. And again, you know, that's been something which has been coming over here for a long time, you know, millennials or even the generations past that, you know, the one in three don't drink or whatever the data is, but it's like, you're, you're just seeing these people looking after their bodies and thinking much more about what they consume, whether that's food, medicine, you know, they're all kind of things you put in your body to get something out of it. Right. And I think cannabis uh, it is just another one of those things that you put in your body to get some kind of effect. And we're seeing that more and more people are using that for a sort of therapeutic benefit. Obviously, there's there's the adult use side of things as well. But it's uh, it's sort of blurred the lines. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. One thing I did want to just drill down on and some of the things you were just saying there, Jeff, you know, obviously, you're through Philo and a lot of what you're doing, you're talking about really starting to empower um, cannabis companies with more data. Is that being driven by you and companies like yourself or is that the brands and the marketers more wanting the data or or mix of the two maybe i mean i think it's both you know but i think from a data perspective there's so much enrichment that we've done you know i can essentially be able to target not just a cannabis consumer but overlay all the normal demographic and psychographic traits that you would do without cannabis so i could say Mm -hmm. i want I want to target men who live in New York, who have spent $50 or more on edibles, who work out at Equinox, who watch HBO Max and mm. have a pet dog. Mm. And I can get very targeted to them. You know, there's obviously a lot of, um, you know, when you're talking about animals, there's a lot of companies out there, pet companies that actually have CBD products for dogs. Yeah. No one better than a cannabis consumer is going to understand why CBD is helpful for a dog that might be in pain. You know, a new user has never heard of CBD. They're going to have to be educated a little bit. So being Mm. able to actually drill down into a cannabis consumer that also has a dog that might need a CBD product from a leading pet company is super targeted. Whereas maybe you're um, an insurance company, right? And Mm. you want to go after people who tend to enjoy their lives a little more, right? You can target people that you know are consuming. Right. Maybe you get higher premiums. I don't know. Like it's so uh, complex on what you could do when it comes to targeting. And I think even for politics, like Mm. politics is huge because you have a lot of people who enjoy cannabis that might be very middle of the road. They're Mm. not on the left. They're not on the right. And so that's a big swings, you know, it's swing vote. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just so many layers from a data perspective that is really good for everybody. And, you know, I think once it does become, you know, federally legal, you're going to have all the credit card and data companies trying to create their own segments, but they're going to be pretty far behind us because we've been doing this now for two years already. So yeah, we're kind of, of course. We've, got a, we've got a one up on everybody. What's your personal view on the, on the federal stuff at the moment? Timings? What's your thoughts? I mean, it's like every day is different. You know, mm. it's like one week, it's just like the Republicans are pushing cannabis, right? Then the next day is like the Democrats are now pushing it. And so we do know that there are a lot of people, right, from a political perspective on both sides that want it to happen. Mm. It's just a matter of can you get everybody moving 
right to the same beat. And you know, in yeah. American politics, that's really fucking tough. Um, I so, politics full stop. I think that's tough. But yeah, Americans have uh, very difficult. Oh my God. So yeah. I, you know, I definitely think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, right? Is it yeah. next year? Is it two years? Is it three years? Right? I mean, anything can happen. Yeah. I think once things really start to accelerate, Pfizer buying a medical yeah market, huge right for seven billion dollars that treats you know stomach and intestinal um, issues with cannabinoids. Yeah. That is big news. Like yeah. that's something that really will, I think, start to impact um, how people are you know, looking at the plant from a medicinal way, majorly. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Just touching on the speed thing there, seeing as we kind of, we kind of brought politics in, which is the, the slowest thing on earth. Yes. Um, how, how have you felt since, you know, thinking about both of our backgrounds in tech we touched on this earlier in terms of everything was fast paced you know move fast break things i know people have come away from that as a, as a sort of a, a mantra but you know it, it was very much the super fast paced industry to work in do you feel the same pace within the cannabis industry or is it sort of neutered by the fact that it's very slow on the regulatory landscape the federal stuff the politics because it, it kind of wraps around it where tech didn't face as much of that stuff yeah, I mean, I think for us, no, it doesn't slow things down just because we have a massive compliance platform that helps people mm-hmm. move fast, right? So yep. I think if we didn't have that, we'd be screwed, right? Because yeah. it impacts every single part of our business. We have four business units under Philo, and our regulatory platform on compliance really feeds everything that we do so that we could scale fast and efficient and make sure that we're doing everything, you know, based on the rules and regs and you know, various states and local jurisdictions. So for us, we move hyper fast. Um, Mm. You know, my CMO, Conrad, he likes to refer to our team as metabolic. It's true. I mean, all of us are kind of cut from the same cloth. We've all kind of, you know, built and run companies in our various um, spaces. And so we're all like, inherently, like, we want to do this. We want to like, you know, make our mark on this uh, category. And so Mm. we're just kind of all in all the time to try and really advance, um, you know, the space for everybody, even with all the compliance hurdles, we're like, it's lightning fast. That's great. Yeah. You know, we, we, uh, we're kind of enjoying the build the plane as we fly kind of vibe that's happening over here at the moment. Obviously we're significantly behind, uh, you know, the U S and Canada and even Australia really, but it's exciting to be in that frontier mode at the moment where there, there isn't really a precedent or any rules. So from a globe perspective, we kind of, writing it writing it as we go which is which is you know thrilling frankly before we go specifically into philo i'd love to just get a a read from you on 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 the role of technology in cannabis more broadly so obviously we're talking a lot about data and i'm I'm really interested to go into more detail about some of that you know targeted customer stuff We, we, we have some uh some ideas around that later but what about just the sort of broader technology and the industry hardware Internet of Things, connecting stuff up and joining that with data. Like, what's your feelings about the role of technology in the in the industry as a, as a whole? Yeah, so I think obviously technology is critical to you know everything that we do. I think in the cannabis space in particular, there's definitely some massive hurdles when it comes to tech, just because there is you know, everyone needs a point of sale you know in their operations, and there's a lot of point of sale platforms out there. And so what we're starting to see, and this is very apparent this past year, is that there's massive consolidation happening where you've got a very large MSO that's kind of starting to 
acquire smaller SSOs to expand their footprint. And when they start doing this, not once, not twice, not three times, but maybe five times, and they have all of these stores across the country, they all have their own individual point of sale. Well, the master operator has a different point of sale, and that creates a lot of nonconformity, if you will. You know, I think there's, I'm seeing this every day, especially with a lot of our clients where they're like, well, we're on this point of sale, but we don't integrate with this. And then there's these other six point of sales that are now part of our company because we've acquired them. And so there needs to be something out there that's almost like a, an API that brings everything together so that people can use technology to talk because they might not have the bandwidth, the resources, or the teams to do a you know massive uh, movement or integration to one platform, right? Yeah. And so I feel like that is definitely a hurdle for many. Yeah. Um, I think from a you know an analytics and conversion standpoint, like not every state is legal. So mm. you know you might have one state that's full rec, and then you might have another state that is full medical. And so being able to actually use e-commerce platforms for delivery is different in every state also. So like, yeah. you know, in New York now, you might see ads as you're traveling all over the, the globe for ease in California or Weed Maps or Grass Store, mm. which are, you know, these great platforms that you can go in and say, hey, I want all these great things and I want them delivered to me in an hour. Mm. Well, we can't do that here in New York, right? Yeah. And so I think there's just a lot, there's a lot of stagnation of technology that's really helping in other areas, but takes time to move in other regions that are not yet, you know, fully established. And that creates a lot of issue with, you know, brand loyalty. You know, yeah. you people who they don't, they haven't truly established brand loyalty to a specific brand or product. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to go to a dispensary because I'm going to get what, what we need, right? Just like I'm a vodka drinker. I love my martinis, but like mm -hmm. I will only drink either Kettle One or Belvedere. That's Got it. it. Yeah. I don't yeah. like anything else. I've tried it all. And so I think we'll eventually get there with people who are going to become brand loyalists because they love the way the design is. They love the way the product makes them feel and they want to have that loyalty, but we're not there yet. Talk to me about the just loads of good stuff in there. People not picking brands yet. Um, they're kind of going after, you know, price maybe or potency are obviously the key themes a lot of the time in the adult use space. You touched yeah. on the difference between medicinal and, and, and adult use. Why do you think people aren't sort of selecting the brands yet? Are they just not sophisticated enough? Or is it not? Is the is the energy not going into the sort of um, the values behind the brand yet, or or are customers just not advanced enough to sort of really care that much? Yeah, I think it's a cross section of everything, quite frankly. But I think you have a lot of very kind of curious consumers who, especially if you're in a state that just legalized or is about to legalize, like. They might have, you know, used it in an illegal facet through a friend or underground or black market. They haven't been exposed to it all that much to really discern whether the product is good or bad, other than it just gets you high, right? Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of people who maybe are exposed and they're kind of curious and they're going on a trip with friends and they're like, hey, we need edibles, right? They haven't been exposed to too many products yet to make that discerning taste of, I love this brand. You know, mm. I've now been taking edibles and, you know, I don't smoke a lot, but, you know, I know the edibles that I really, really like that I could mm. take at night and I know in an hour I'm going to have a full night's sleep. Mm. And so like, I have a, I have a gravitation towards certain products because 
I've used those products. And so the more people use things, the more education they get and the smarter they're going to get on their choices. But I do think this is a good opportunity for a lot of people to start experimenting with, with different brands and seeing if there is really a difference in the products, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you are growing a plant and a plant is going to be different no matter where you are based on UV, light, you know, temperature, moisture, water, all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. even if you're growing two of the exact same plants, the exact same genetics, but two different locations, it's going to taste different, right? Yeah. It's going to, the THC content is going to be different. Like I grew it in New York this summer and it came out incredible. Again, I, I don't really know because I don't smoke that much, but I gave it to so many people, mm. you know, just saying, Hey, try this. And there's a difference that you could, you could take, you could feel it from indoor versus outdoor, right? Yeah. Less THC content, less of a crazy high, more yeah. of a creative, cool, relaxed mm. you know, mm. feeling. Do you think um, customers, and we're going to, we're going to touch on customers in a bit, but are they investigating what's behind the brands? Like what are the found, yeah, who founded this company? What are their values? What's the belief system? As we've all evolved with everything from like the razor blade we use through the shampoo, through to the vitamins we take, we've been investigating these brands and um, learning about what's more into them. And people are definitely turning away from brands that, they, that don't align with them. Do you think that's something to happen now in cannabis? I think so. Definitely. I mean, I think not, not at the capacity that, it should be yet. But I think that people who are more sophisticated with kind of looking at the brand, they're definitely thinking that without a question. I think the majority of people aren't there. Let's dig into Philo. You know, it's a technology platform uh, across regulated industries. You know, far bit from me to, to tell the listeners, you know, what it is, what its products are and, and how it works. So in your own words, Jeff, let run us through it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we do is fairly simple when you think about it, but fairly complex, you know, when you kind of peel everything back, but we've got uh, four products uh, under the Philo umbrella. So we've got our regulatory uh, platform, which is really, it's kind of critical for every cannabis operator to use because it's got federal, state, local, all the jurisdictions, all the information when it comes to ordinances, statutes, meetings, policy changes, forms and guidance, um, zoning maps, tax grids, you name it. If you're operating in cannabis, you need that data at your fingertips. You know, the platform itself is, uh, at the end of the day, it saves people, I mean, can't even imagine how many hours a week, but a lot. There's so much disparate information out there. So if you're looking for, you know, a law or you're looking for a tax grid or you're looking for a form that you need to submit, there's thousands of websites that you have to look for them on. And mm-hmm. so our platform kind of aggregates everything together with real-time feeds. So that if there's something that was updated today, it's in our platform. If there's a meeting that's taking place in a local town for a cannabis amendment or law, it's in our platform. And so they use that as kind of a, all right, this is my compliance layer that I'm going to be able to find everything I need and be able to make smart decisions with what the rules and the, the laws are out there. You know, I'd say that's our first foundational product, but it actually works with our other products too, which I'll get to. Um, we have a kind of full programmatic offering. So on the media side, we all come from Attack. So, you know, for us, it's it's really just a, a means to drive qualified people into dispensaries through media placements across thousands of publishers. You know, through programmatic, and yeah. we use our data right to to fuel and power that. 
right? So think the data on the back end is all cannabis transaction data across the entire country based on uh, transaction, strain, uh, location, order value, and then we infuse it with all of the psychographic and demographic elements I was telling you about before, like shopping behaviors outside of cannabis. And so our data and our media solutions together kind of are like a sandwich. Data is obviously the cream in between the sandwich, but they both operate very differently. Like the big brands and agencies out there, traditional, they're buying the data through their various platforms where people have hands-on keys. And then for a lot of the cannabis companies, we do kind of a managed effort right, to do everything for them from mm. optimization through driving, you know, return on ad spends and all the KPIs that might that they might be interested in. Um, and then we also have a full stack uh, promotions and loyalty engine. So if we're going to drive a customer into the store, they're then going to use our tools and our technology, right, that allow us to say, hey, Charlie, it's your birthday. <laughs> send you a text message or through email with a special offer so that you go into the store and we're tracking that ROI as well. We call it the Philo Compliance Cloud because everything is compliant in nature. Um, But even the compliance platform that we have is fueling the promotions engine. So if you're in there as a dispensary and you want to text 50,000 people tomorrow, as you start typing, if you put in a word that's not compliant for the regulators, you know, based on like T-Mobile or AT&T or Sprint, it will turn red and say, hey, this message won't get delivered unless you remove that word. Yes, that's because awesome. very, you have to be very careful in the US when it comes to messaging consumers because the, the telephone companies do not like anything that's federally illegal. We're, we do a very strategic approach to making sure that the messages get delivered through you know, delivering compliant, you know, rich messages. Yeah, that's amazing. And you know, must make dispensaries or businesses' lives just so much easier, right, through having the confidence to know that they're not doing anything that is going to be a waste of energy or time, right? Exactly. It's very US-focused. Is the, what, what's, the, what's the roadmap for the product? You know, Europe obviously is going to, if we look at the data, it's going to be the biggest market in the next five years, you know, 750 million people. If we look early, you know, maybe Germany will go. Swiss yeah. is there. Luxembourg, you know, we've just seen news about Malta. It's all kind of coming through. Um, obviously, we have a different kind of market. It's medicinal first, but I, I believe it's obviously going to change into adult use as time goes by. Is the goal for the for the platform to to roll out into different markets? And how are you gonna how are you gonna look at that? Yeah, so Europe is definitely huge for us. We see all the news coming out of Germany right now. So um, it's definitely something that we are looking into and we're interested in. For right now, we're really trying to like conquer the US, mm. and then move into Europe, Mexico, even Canada. And so that's on the roadmap, but we're not there yet. Yeah, sure. We've talked we've talked a little bit about brands, but it's obviously becoming more and more of a crowded marketplace. It's still frontier stuff, still early days. We're seeing a lot more business to individual marketing, B2I or D2C, direct to consumer. We're also seeing this sort of rise of the prosumer or like customers that are are very knowledgeable now you know they do their research they learn about their products and you know there is a very sophisticated cannabis consumer which i guess comes more from the legacy market but at the same time you've got then a very novice uh consumer which is the the sort of can of curious as you referenced earlier than the never really tried hasn't bought from a legacy place 
Uh, are we going to see more brands focusing on this and using kind of data to really target those kind of individuals around what their need states are and the unmet needs? Do you think that's going to be a, a, the battleground? Absolutely. I mean, I, I already see it right now with a lot of companies like, and again, COVID. <laughs> like yeah. COVID has created a new consumer that didn't exist before. So you have like moms who have their kids at home and they're like pulling their hairs out and like, they're now turning to CBD and cannabis related, you know, calming ailments for them. Right. Mm. So I, I've had so many conversations with moms in particular, as you know, I have a show called Alchemy. So I have a lot of guests on a lot of celebrities and it's the amount of people that are talking about this new rush of cannabis consumers that they never did cannabis in their entire life, mm -hmm. right? Because it was illegal. And they're like, yeah, I'm not, I don't do drugs. Now they see it in a different light. Like, wow, it's not about getting high right? It's about trying to help me with whatever ailments I have in a very natural way, right? You have stress, you have anxiety. Sure. Here's something for you where you can't sleep. Here's something for you. Oh, you want a little bit of energy and help get through your day. Here's something for you. Now there's even like, I don't know if you've seen this, but like there's new products around THCV, which is a derivative yeah. of THC that's now helping people with weight loss and energy and focus. So yeah. that is something that will then replace Adderall. So like mm. all of these, you know, very potentially harmful prescription drugs that are impacting society are almost now kind of coming over mm. and having a replacement that is naturally and organic from the earth without yeah. complicated, um, you know, formulas of trying to create a, a pill that's not naturally forming, you know? So I think that is the, there's a new rush, if you will, of consumers that started to be kind of curious and are now actual like real consumers yeah. that are starting to now narrow down who their brands of choice will be now. Yeah. And, and just on that as a build, the, the kind of, we're obviously in a medicinal first market here. Um, there is no adult use. Obviously the UK has a very sophisticated legacy market um, and, uh, you know, continues to have that and will and, until the time changes. But from your perspective in, in the States, how blurred are the lines on that recreational adult use sort of spectrum? Tell me about that in the customer base. I mean, that's definitely a good question that I don't have exact answers to. Um, but what I do know is that, you know, there definitely was a more heavily focused recreational market. Today, there's a blurred line because people are now understanding what they could use it for other than relaxing and having a good time, right? Mm -hmm. So you have like... Um, you know, Can is a, a beverage company here in the U.S. that you might have seen some news on. Yeah, we know Can. Yeah, and so yeah, I think Luke, Luke Luke's going to come on the show at some point. I think awesome, and you yeah. know, Luke and his co-founder really saw an opportunity in the market where a lot of people who wanted to try cannabis but they didn't want to get messed up, so they launched mm. a very low dose can that you mm. could kind of have a have a drink and enjoy yourself. And if you want to have two, three, or four, that's okay too. But if you just want to have one. Great. And so mm. I don't know if you saw recently, but they just launched can without cannabis. And that yeah, this, is this their kind of positioning into different states where there isn't, you know, the legal jurisdiction yet, right? To just sort of almost get their brand in the shop window and then they'll just flip it. And that's very smart, right? Because smart. now, you know, they just did a whole holiday ad. They had um, Daring Crisis and they had, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Goldie Hawn's daughter. Kay Hudson. Kate Hudson, right? So they yeah. did a, this incredible, I just saw it yesterday. It was like a five minute digital spot 
um, wow. where they're drinking can and they got away with it too, because in the, in the commercial, they're drinking the seltzer can and mixing it with vodka. Yeah. And so when I first saw that, I was like, whoa, they're actually talking about cannabis related products and drinking alcohol together, which is a, no one's done that. No yeah. one's done that date. And it was a great commercial. And I just think that's, it's really smart where they're trying to get their brand in the hands of somebody that might not be able to buy that yet. Yeah. And, you know, just like you were saying, once it becomes legal, boom, you have your brand yeah. loyalty right there. Just to touch on the celebrity thing at the moment, you know, how there's been a lot of cannabis brand. And again, I'm looking from afar, right? We're looking across the Atlantic to, to see what's going on. But I mean, Dave Palanchuk talks about this a lot where he doesn't really like kind of celebrity backed cannabis brands. And there seems to be quite a few of them. What's your take on that? Is, is here to stay, lots more coming or fad? I mean, I, I definitely will say I can't think of another category that has had so much celebrity focus, right? You've seen it, you know, I'd say in the spirit world a little bit, but not not like it is here. I don't think it's a fad, um, mm. only because there there is a lot of celebrities that are so passionate about putting their name on something. Uh, Mike Tyson just launched Tyson 2.0. Yeah, um, so that's a great product. They're kind of paired with Columbia Care. They're now kind of going all over the nation. And he's really passionate about why they've selected that product and the growing conditions and what the actual um, feeling of that product is. And so, you know, I think for some celebrities that just want to slap their name on it and like have a little bit of buzz, that definitely does exist. Um, but you have like some folks out there like Tommy Chong right? Mm. He's really passionate about, you know, his name on a product. Um, Mike Tyson, like I said, Al Harrington, you know, he sold mm. his company Viola. Like, so there are these folks, Jim Belushi, like yeah. if you haven't followed Jim Belushi, followed him yeah. because he's just all about, you know, farming and yeah, it's very authentic. He's real. And he's, it's not about, yeah, I'm a celebrity. I'm going to push this out. He's about, this is who I am. I love growing the product. I love what it does for the body. And they're, they're real. Like you feel mm. connected. And you, if you look at him on Instagram, he actually Instagrams the whole growing process to the harvest process, to helping people and talking to people. And it's just really nice to see. Yeah. So I think you have the majority of the celebrity world that are definitely like, they're legit. But mm. then you do have some folks over here who are like, yeah, let's get, let's do, let's make it some, let's do some buzz. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we we could talk for a lot longer, but a couple of kind of final ones to kind of wrap us yeah. up. What advice would you give uh, to anyone that's looking to have a career change into cannabis? I think one of the things that I always love about talking to, whether it's yourself or many of the other guests I've had on the show, is everyone's got a different background and then something's happened where they've switched. And the switch can either be, you know, there was a, a, a desire, a belief to move into cannabis or they had a life-changing event or you know knew someone that had a life-changing event that's often the starting point what, what would be your advice for anyone that's looking to move into cannabis as a career yeah i mean i think there you know just like every other industry there's something for everybody so i, I see a ton of people who are recruiters in their entire mm -hmm. career and are now moving into cannabis because a lot of these companies that are well-funded need support right so that's a very easy kind of uh, alignment with, hey, learn the cannabis space, go out and be a recruiter. Um, on the technology side, you've got media agencies, you've got data companies, you've got point of sale, you've got 
you know, analytics and tracking, you have conversion tools, um, you have delivery. I mean, there's so much out there. So it's like, mm-hmm. I think for someone that's looking to get into the space, just kind of look at all of the big companies that are doing different things. And you can really tuck yourself into one of those that you already have the background in. Like we have obviously that whole retail loyalty and promotions engine. I'm hiring people left and right who have already done this in the past into the non-cannabis world, but understand customer loyalty and retention. Yeah. So it can be applied to any, really any technology um, or any service in the cannabis world. What do you dislike about things at the moment? I mean, I, I ask this question to most people because um, there are frustrations with any new sector, new industry. You know, it's uh, I mean, there's frustrations in every industry. Right. But what do you think is is annoying or frustrating about the industry at the moment or something you would like to see changing soon? I would say the most difficult thing right now is that a lot of on the media side, you know, Facebook, mm. and Instagram is still blocking all ads. Yeah. Yeah. And while that's fine, we get around it because we have a programmatic solution that we can deploy anywhere, uh, even in social, when it comes to the mm. data. It's it's a it's, at this point, it's kind of like really you're going to block yeah. CBD ads. You know, I think that's that's very frustrating. That sends a signal to a lot of cannabis operators that don't know about marketing, like oh, we can't do any digital because they think social is the only digital means out there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just interesting. I think from, uh, it will look back at it and go, wow, I can't believe Facebook and Instagram blocked that. At one yeah, where, point. where, where, where do you think that that comes from? Is it just fear? I mean, because, you know, you go on yeah. YouTube, there's millions of, you know, not ads, but there's so much content, right? It's and look at LinkedIn. LinkedIn yeah. is like the best platform out there to talk about anything cannabis. They're great. So I think with Facebook, I think they're just kind of going on the standards of tobacco. Mm. and what's federally legal and illegal. I think that's Mm. really what it comes down to. Because I know deep down, they're probably like, damn, we're missing out on a lot of money here. I'm sure. And they're motivated by money, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. We'll see how things change. Yeah. Okay, Jeff, last last one. I'm giving you my crystal ball. And I'm looking for some predictions for the coming time ahead. You can go as far out as you want. One, two, three years. I don't mind. Um, What are you thinking? I mean, I think you're going to be able to buy cannabis everywhere. I think there's going to be a kind of liquor store slash, you know, uh, dispensary kind of joined together where one side is cannabis and tobacco related products and another side is probably spirits and beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a while away. Obviously, there's still very different sets of rules that you could do for each industry. Uh, but I think you'll be able to, you know, uh, you want edibles, you'll have it delivered wherever you are, you know, in a matter of 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I think even pharmaceutical uh, companies, you know, will be creating products off the shelf that you could get literally instead of getting Tylenol, you can get something that has THC, a, some yeah. amount, a small amount in it or behind the counter, right. From a prescription perspective. So I think yeah. it's going to, as I think Pfizer is this, this week with the acquisition that Pfizer made, I think that's going to actually be a domino effect for a lot of companies that see that the plant is going to help with whether it's cancer research or stomach issues or muscles and soreness and recovery, or even, you know, traumatic brain injuries. Like the plant is really helping in so many ways. Just on that, a little so what do you feel about kind of big pharma getting in, into the space, you think inevitable? It's or, inevitable. Yeah. 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 I think, cool. I mean, I think it's cool too, if they can figure out how to use the plant in a more natural way than, you know, man-made chemically yeah. in pills, why not? 
yeah, it has to be the way forward. I mean, even with when you look at what's happening within psychedelics and some of the other drugs, you know, DMT or MDMA or whatever it may be, you know, there's, I feel that I was talking to him about this the other week. It's like cannabis has been this sort of battering ram. I think Paul Rosen said it actually. Cannabis has been a bit of a battering ram and made a nice flight path for psychedelics behind it because oh, yeah. there's a big, big uh, difference between kind of smoking a joint or, you know, taking some mushrooms. But it's, uh, it's, all, it's all good stuff. And, you know, yeah. people, people are looking for it, finding out more, doing their own research and, you know, investigating and exploring as, as an alternative to some of the, opioids and the nasties that we've seen for decades now yeah what's happening in the psychedelic world now is mind-blowing just how mm. rapidly advanced it's advancing so much way i think way more than than cannabis um yeah and i think cannabis kind of you know created this yeah path for us and especially in the last year you know now you see ads online like you know ketamine therapy and you know mdma therapy it's like what 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 happened like what did this when did this get a, you know approved? And so it's just it's cool to see because we're I also think that we're in this new revolution, right? Mm. Of utilizing drugs to benefit our brains, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, yeah, psychedelics. I'm a huge fan of um, yeah. microdosing. Yeah, it's cool. Well, Jeff, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Definitely think we need a, a follow up where we can drill into some of this stuff in more detail. And uh, you know, always a pleasure. And uh, have a great day. Awesome, Charlie. Thank you. So thanks again to Jeff. I mean, it is incredible to hear the role that data is already playing in the industry, certainly over in North America. And we look forward to seeing how that plays out in Europe and beyond. Uh, it's fascinating to see all those insights that we can get from that data around patients and consumers of cannabis. Next up, I will be joined by none other than Adam Beerman, who is the co-founder of MedMen. As many of you know, MedMen is one of the leading dispensaries in the US, and Adam blazed a trail with his team over the last decade. And believe you me, there are more highs and lows than a roller coaster. So it's going to be a fascinating chat for sure. So tune into that. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll be speaking to you in the future. The Glow Show. We believe in the power of cannabis.